Welcome to the Start Here podcast for web development. I'm Keith Monahan, And I'm Dan Miller. And we're here to show you how to build a career in web development. You can find us online at starthere.fm. Hey, Keith. How's your week been? Hi, Dane. Oh, it's going well. Things are things are exciting at the new company. Uh, you know, I've been building websites and having a lot of fun with CSS and HTML, PHP, all that good stuff. Um, what's been really exciting is is just the team. I think I mentioned it last week, but I work with a fantastic team, designers and operations people and copywriters and and really good people. And it's exciting because I, I didn't used to work in a team environment and to go from nothing to just great people is is pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, that can be quite a quite a switch. I used to work alone as well. I enjoy having a team there uh, these days. But how do you like the open office layout? I'm assuming you guys are are going with open office. Yeah. So we just all of our desks are like in one one room, one open space, and it's it's a lot of fun. Um, having come on recently, it's really good because I can like learn about just the company culture and learn about everyone else, like kind of through osmosis, just right. as I'm working and it's, um, it's good. I like it a lot. Now the, <laughs> the flip side is I've noticed that I, I have a harder time concentrating cause I, I want to, you know, be involved in the conversations and stuff going on around me. But sometimes I feel like I have to put my headphones on, turn the music up, and just like, you know, head down, dig in. Otherwise, I I don't know if I get any work done. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. What's it like at your your space? Like, what's your office space look like? Uh, it's an open office layout as well. So we have different rooms. As you walk down this hallway, we'll have a room for operations, a room that's effectively biz dev, and and some other roles, and then we have a room that is development. And uh, it's completely open, just a bunch of IKEA desks, no attempt to make a separation between desks. Mm-hmm. The only separation is our monitors, really. So mm-hmm. a lot of us have monitors that are about eye level, so it's hard to, to see ahead of us. But anybody that's to the right or to the left, you can pretty much see at all times. So it can be distracting. Um, and I'm one of those people where if somebody's talking in the room, I'll want to take my headphones off just to listen and sort of see mm-hmm. just what's going on because I'm mm-hmm. like in, endlessly curious and fascinated by everything for some reason. That's so yeah. uh, that's challenging. That's probably the hardest part. Okay. That's funny because I'm the same way. Maybe it just is because everything is so new right now. Right. Um, but it's, I don't know. I find myself doing that all the time too. Yeah. How are you how are you managing that? Like are you just saying I'm not going to get as much done because of this or well to to a certain extent yes because I realized that you know we are in a team and you know I chose web development because it's a safe career it's you know good money and all of these things but it's the culture is fun and these people that I work with I'm living my life with them yeah. and you know you know, our lives become intertwined and, um, and so they're friends and, yeah, and so that part of it, I, a little bit, maybe like 5%, I say, I'm just not going to get quite as much work done, but the value to the company culture, um, outweighs that, you know, that 5%, at least that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. I completely agree. That's a really great way of putting it. I think 
that the headphones issue leads into a deeper issue of productivity. And a lot of developers face this, right? And a lot of the times a team, I think, works the best when everybody realizes that they don't need to be so serious all the time, that if somebody's trying to get somebody else's attention and maybe make a joke or, or even do anything, if everybody just sort of winds down for a second and lets that happen and accepts the fact that they won't be as productive for five minutes, mm -hmm. um, it instead builds culture, you know, and it, it does all those things that you said. It builds a team, it builds trust and, and, and just fun. Right. And I think that is a lot better than just mm -hmm. working nonstop. Like we used to as freelancers. Yeah. Because if you're not having fun, then why are, why are you doing it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it has been a lot of fun, um, and I've just I've really enjoyed working with the team and and the people and you know the um, kind of separate from from the team. The other thing I've been working you know dealing with this last week is just the I think it's probably just natural for working in the kind of shop, kind of a web shop that I work in is um, timelines for different projects. You know I've I've built four or five websites now and only one of them is actually live and yep. and that's because the others are in um you know various stages but primarily waiting on other people and mostly waiting on clients to like give us content or yeah you know approval or something like that and so it's a little different than i initially thought because i thought oh i'll work on a website and then launch it and then i'll work on another website and it's not really like that. It's, it's I'll work on a website until I need approval or I need more information or Until content. you're blocked. Yeah. And then I'll work on a different project. But then yeah. I'll come back to it. And I've noticed that I'll, if I have to come back to a project that I, and I've been away from it for a little bit, like a week or more, um, it takes me longer to get, you know, for my mind to get back into that space. I, yeah. No, I agree. And the, the funny thing is even... Uh, when I used to work in the government, they had this problem all the time is like we would want to launch these new projects because we were brought in to do nothing but basically launch projects. And it was so mm. difficult to launch. You know, there was all these blockers and and just everything blocked everything. And when everything starts to block like that, then nothing gets done and you're just driving yourself crazy. So it's everybody just... turns to open source and they're like, well, mm. I'll just start open sourcing stuff. And then it turns into this whole other situation. So I completely understand. I know how it is yeah it's like a little discouraging yeah <laughs> i think i've just realized that's how it is and that's how it's going to be sometimes know? yeah that's just how it is unfortunately dealing with clients uh a lot of the times though if you work at a product company which is why i sort of chose to come work at the company uh that i'm at now uh you don't have that problem right because you're on a you have your own in-house product and you mm. are releasing every week or every two weeks and no matter what you have to hit that and you know, that's not the same thing as launching a site from start to finish, but it still has that sort of dopamine slash fun factor. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the, the little the little releases and stuff. Huh. Yeah. So we just want to thank everyone for such a warm reception for our first episode. Um, we shared it to our friends and family and um, online and we had great feedback, and we just really appreciate that. Um, there was more interest initially than we thought there would be, and that's fantastic. You know, just to reiterate, we're doing this because we want others to learn web development more quickly and more efficiently than we did. Mm -hmm. And I think Dana and I both have a passion for helping people, and so that's just, you know, that's why we're here. That's, that's what we're here to do. Yep, totally agree. 
And we just wanted to point out one of the uh, items of feedback that we got from Charles Sipe. And he said, Hi, thanks for the excellent podcast. I'm excited for future episodes. And in response to the question posed at the end of the episode, I want to become a web developer because I wanted to work in a field that is respected, interesting, fun, and engaging. I want to be able to positively affect the lives of people and do meaningful work. And that was a really cool comment by Charles because it is exactly why Keith Mm -hmm. and I both got into the industry. And I think it is one of those industries that combines all those uh, different avenues and aspects of work. Um, and that was a little bit of a paraphrasing of his comment by by me, but but you got the gist of it there. And we do appreciate iTunes reviews and emails with constructive criticism, so they don't have to be uh, super positive. Just feel free to to communicate with us about what you're liking, what you're not liking. We we appreciate it all. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to shoot us an email with the criticism before you leave a review, that's awesome too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So last uh, last episode, we had you go through some resources. Um, one of them was developajob.com, and that was, a, that was an overview of the industry and the job, and we hope that was informative um, and helped you kind of get more familiar with the industry. We also had you go through lesson one from Shay Howe's website on how to build a website. And, you know, we'd love to know how your first, your first website turned out. You know, did you have fun or did you get frustrated? Um, did, did did you actually go ahead and like and go through his project and build the website with him? Mm-hmm. That's important. We think that y- you need to do more than just like read the text, and we want you to get involved. Open your text editor, save the files, go through the motions because that is the only way to learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you if you didn't go ahead and go back and start and do that again because we are going to continue to use. Uh, Shea Howe as a resource because he's laid this out in a really really excellent really excellent way yeah totally agree big fan of his work and we'll continue using it going forward so definitely go and go back and and actually commit to to doing the items that he outlines because again that's the only way you're going to learn and Mm -hmm. just to reiterate through the first lesson there you should have learned a little bit about html and a little bit about css some of the things you should have learned are elements tags attributes in HTML and then in CSS you should have learned about selectors properties and values you should at least know what they are you shouldn't I mean you perhaps don't need to know everything about them Uh, just a basic familiarity with what they are and how they interact with the other items that you learned as well yeah so you might be wondering why why start with HTML web development is big it's there's a lot that you can do and HTML is is important because it is the foundation of every web page. And it's basically the first thing that hits the, you know, your browser. It's the first thing that the user is going to experience. The browser pulls the other content like CSS after it receives the HTML. And so it's important to think about the structure and and how it affects the styling because how you style a website does depend on the structure to begin with. And we won't get into too much or at all really this time, but in later episodes we might talk about how the structure of your website, whether it's logical and and hierarchical, can affect your SEO as well. So your search engine optimization, how your website appears in search results. And that's obviously that's really important because you want people to be able to find your websites. Dane, what kind of what is HTML? Can you give us kind of an overview of like just in general what it is? Yeah, sure. So HTML stands for Hypertext Markup Language. 
And it's basically not, well, first of all, we should mention it's not a programming language. So don't be discouraged though by that because you might come into this wanting to learn a programming language. It's totally fine. Learning this first will serve a lot of value to you. So it's called Hypertext Markup Language. Basically, it adds this structure to the page. It allows you to add content to your website. It doesn't have anything to do with the styling or the paint, the color, anything that you actually see on the site. It just is the structure and the content. And it's usually hierarchical in structure and logically structured. Um, it allows for a hook for your CSS such that you can point CSS at certain HTML elements to then style them. Um, and then also in this in this context, you should probably be aware of HTML5. HTML5 is just the fifth version of the HTML specification, and the HTML spec is simply a document that defines what HTML is and does on a very, very detailed level. So there, if you think in your head, like um, that makes sense because somewhere that's got to exist, and it does. A, a organization called the W3C defines these specifications, um, and that's what we go off of, and that's what the browser creators go off of when they create the ability for the browsers to render those uh, attributes and elements and such. Um, and that may be a little detailed, but that's fine for now. So HTML5 is simply the, the fifth version of that spec. And when you hear it, just think HTML. Right. And, and sometimes when people talk about HTML5, they're referring specifically to the, uh, the new features that were added in, you know, compares in, in compared to HTML4. And, um, just know that you're going to be using pretty much the entire gamut of HTML. Where does HTML live? Like, how do we use HTML, Dane? What, what's the kind of what's the flow, the experience uh, for that code? Where does it start? Where does it end? Yeah, so HTML is served on, uh, it's considered a front-end language. So your back-end languages, as you might have already learned if you've been perusing this topic, back-end languages are like PHP, uh, Python, Ruby, etc., uh, HTML and CSS and JavaScript as well are considered front-end languages. And why are they considered front-end? Because they're all served onto the client's computer and then rendered from there. So they aren't living on a server. So the server is where the back-end actual server side is what you'll usually hear. Languages are written and, and that's where the code is stored as well. Um, and the HTML is simply served up from those backend languages and then it's put into the browser, which is the, on the client's computer. Um, and client is another term you'll hear a lot. That just means the user's computer. And then the user's computer, uh, their web browser will render that code. Pretty simple. Mm -hmm. um, every web browser or every web developer should learn HTML and CSS though as a result of this, even if you are really mainly interested in those backend languages. So this is very common as a theme. You'll hear people that want to jump right into the Python or right into the Ruby because they value that sort of experience uh, more than HTML and CSS. But you have to keep in mind, if you're going to be a web developer, it's really great to know HTML and CSS. Um, why why not do it all, right? I mean, there's no reason you can't do learn a little bit about everything and then spe uh, specialize in something else later down the road. Mm -hmm. And, you know, chances are, as a web developer, you will have to work with HTML and exactly. maybe CSS um, at some point. Yep. And if you're building your programs for the web, it helps to know, you know, kind of how they're going to live and where they're going to live. And that is inside of the HTML. And so it is an important foundation. So yeah, like, like Daniel, like you were saying, HTML and CSS are technically front end languages, but 
we think that every web developer should know should know these at least at a foundational level totally agree right? and as you get into it you know it gets you familiar with kind of the environment of a text editor and um, working with code and html and css are easier because they're not full programming languages they're easier to get in and understand and use than a full programming language and so it, it will it'll kind of give you a head start the other thing is it helps you understand the the documentation mm-hmm. as you get in you learn how to to read the specs for for html and css that'll get you familiar with with the docs which you will be able and you'll end up doing that as well with other programming languages yeah and it as we already mentioned we're already talking about things like the client and the server just learning those those topics even just at a very cursory level you're already learning about the introduction topics to computer programming so it's like okay well you're learning beneficial stuff even if you do want to specialize in python so it's totally totally cool and Keith, why don't you just outline what the popular browsers are and sort of, and some of our, and we'll, then we'll go into our favorites. Yeah. So your, we talked about the front end versus the back end, and the the client, and the client is is the browser. That's what um, what your computer uses to read HTML and CSS. And there's um, a number of different types of browsers. Um, You've probably heard of Google Chrome and Mozilla Firefox and Safari, which is made by Apple, mm-hmm. um, and Internet Explorer, which comes from Microsoft. And those are kind of the big four. They all have advantages and disadvantages. And as a web developer, at least for the front end, it's our responsibility to make sure that our, our websites and our programs, that they work well in in all the different major browsers to a point. And that's a discussion for another day. It's uh, about compatibility um, and it can get complicated but it's important to know that you'll need to do that to think about the different browsers yeah totally so what what would be your favorite browser if you had to name one you know i use google chrome ex- pretty much exclusively for for development and that's because their um their development tools in the browser are fantastic for debugging html css javascript and um, and honestly, I, I work with a lot of, I use a lot of the Google services like Gmail and Google Drive and these things, and those integrate really well inside the browser as well. And so it's just kind of a nice experience for me. What's your favorite browser? Definitely Google Chrome. So okay. I use Google Chrome a lot for web development, uh, specifically because of the uh, developer tools, like you said. So you'll right-click mm. and inspect an element. You can debug your HTML box model problems and your CSS and your JavaScript all right there, and it's really great. Firefox does have Firebug, which a lot of people have been adamant about in the past. I'm not really sure what the what the what the uh, the use case is like nowadays, but um, I still use Firefox sometimes when I don't want Google Chrome to take up all the memory on my computer. Oh right, so you're getting at the idea that that each tab you open in Google Chrome is is a new process on your computer. So it's like opening yep. another another instance. It is opening another instance of that application. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that can be. If you have tons of tabs open in Chrome, that, that can definitely slow your system down. Yeah, but it's sometimes very useful. So if I'm doing a lot of really crazy JavaScript stuff, um, I'll use Chrome because if the JavaScript is going to run into like an infinite loop or something and crash, I want it to just crash that one tab and not the whole browser. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah, and that's the benefit of sandboxing those tabs into different processes is so that you don't lose all of your stuff yep. um, that you might be working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I definitely, I definitely like that about, about Google Chrome. Mm-hmm. When, when writing HTML, what do we have to think about, Dan? Like what, um, how do you go about that? I really like to think about logical structure when writing HTML. Uh, the most important thing I believe is a left to right structure. So when you're writing it and you're visualizing what elements on the page go where, and then you're thinking, how can I interpret that into code? Just look at the mock-up that you have. I mean, I assume you have some sort of mock-up or some image in your mind of what you want to, to write uh, as far as HTML. So think about it. And then from left to right, top to bottom, usually you want to write your HTML like that. So if it's a nav bar and then below the nav bar you have some other content, you want to write the nav bar in its entirety first. Um, and then below that, you want to write the content that, that is there. Um, and you usually want to follow that sort of paradigm. It creates sort of a hierarchical structure throughout your HTML document that is very easy to understand and, and also greatly helps with CSS because you have to keep in mind, CSS is going to style the element that you target, but it's also going to affect the elements that are adjacent to that element typically. So you, mm-hmm. you want to keep that in mind. Right, yeah, and it, and so there's another reason why it's important to write HTML in a logical, structured way, and that's for people that can't see your website, and for machines as well. And so maybe if there's a um, somebody who's blind who's trying to access your website, if your content isn't logical on the page and it jumps around a bunch, mm-hmm. you know, they're they have a screen reader that might be literally reading the page content back to you from the HTML. They don't. They don't have the experience of the CSS um, or spitting out the um, the text to one of those readers um, that they can feel. I, I don't know what that's called. And so it has to make sense for them too. And that's why it's important to look at the HTML, at the very least look at the HTML, make sure it makes sense without your CSS. Yep. And you never know, like I was saying, machines, there are um, like little spider programs that crawl the web um, and Google does this for their search engines. It crawls the web and uh, literally reads your web page. And it's kind of scary how content-aware Google is becoming. They understand context. And so for search engine optimization, and we're coming back to that term, the the structure of your site is important as well. Exactly. Um, and you'll hear these terms used a lot. So for people that are disabled and they're reading and stuff like that, the term that you'll hear a lot is accessibility. So you want to think about um, how to make things accessible to other to other people that might be uh, disabled in some way or whatever the politically correct term is. But you also will hear 501 compliance sometimes, uh, which is simply the same thing, but usually with stricter mandates. Hmm. Right. I think the, the, so the government has very strict mandates about accessibility. Yeah. So talking about structure versus presentation, when you build, when you write your HTML, you want to make sure that it is just the structure and you're not including, you know, presentational elements in there. Mm-hmm. And to kind of take a step back, when you're working with CSS, there's basically three ways that you can, that you can style your, your website. You can include that CSS in your HTML, and one of them is you could you could write it in line, literally inside the um, the tag for your your element there. You could write the CSS at the top of your page, the top of your HTML, 
uh, document, or you can write it in a separate file that's a .css file, and then just link it to your HTML. And by far the most uh, common way to write is to include that CSS file separately than your HTML. Yep. It's, it's a separation of, of your structure and presentation, and that's a, that's a good standard. And it can, it can be tempting to write your styling inside of your HTML because it's so easy to do, but we would encourage you to get used to the idea of, of having them separate. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a huge point that I, a lot of people, when they're writing HTML for the first time, they will put the CSS in line in the in the uh, HTML simply because it's easier. And I totally understand that. And sometimes I'll even promote that as a way to learn about the box model. But go ahead and start getting into the habit of separating those concerns. It's going to be very beneficial later when you're learning about actual programming languages all programming languages and sorry, a lot of programming paradigms these days are based around separation of concerns. So thinking about what uh, what unit of work this section of code can do, this is a very common theme. So getting into this mindset now is just going to benefit you later. Mm-hmm. And that that's a sort of a a point that we're trying to make when teaching you these things. A lot of the time you'll be listening and you'll probably wonder why not just teach you the easiest way to do something. It's because that's how we learned. And then we had to learn it the right way the second time. So you learn it the easy way the first time and then the right way the second time. We want to avoid that and just teach you the right way the first time, even though it might be a little bit more challenging. The point is you'll be ahead of 90% of the people that are in your exact position learning this stuff. Um, And that's the whole point. Right. Right, exactly. And maybe one example is building websites so they're responsive instead of fixed. Exactly. That's a perfect point. Yep. And if you don't know what that is, we can you can do a Google search and we'll we'll cover that later on as well. Yeah, we'll definitely have almost an entire episode on that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, the resources for today are to continue learning with Shay Howe, lesson number two. And his website is learn.shayhow.com and Shay Howe is S H A Y. H-O-W-E. And that's lesson two, getting to know HTML. It's going to dive deeper into more concepts of HTML, some of the page structure, how to think about laying out uh, a page with different sections. And so dig into that um, and let us know how how it goes. We want to hear from you. Hit us up on, on our website. You can find the show notes for this this episode at starthere.fm slash webdev slash two for episode two and leave us a comment there you can also find me on twitter at keith mon that's k-e-i-t-h-m-o-n yeah and i'm on twitter at dane miller so that's d-a-i-n-m-i-l-l-e-r excellent so thanks for listening guys we really appreciate it uh have a great week bye